For a movie about a technologically advanced society, The Matrix still deals with the same idea that Sophocles approaches in the 5th century BCE. They propose that we are not in control of our destinies. I'm Rem Whitcraft, and this is Fiction Briefly. Like Sophocles' Oedipus, The Matrix contains debates about the existence of fate and the ability to see the future. If the future can be seen, then it must be unchangeable, right? Morpheus, the mentor of the story and master of reality, says, Do you believe in fate, Neo? Neo doesn't. He says, Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. Like in Oedipus, characters in The Matrix see an oracle who perceives aspects of Neo's future. She says, don't worry about the vase, just before Neo breaks a vase. Then she says, would you still have broken it if I hadn't said anything? This paradox appears in Oedipus as well. If King Laius had not heard the prediction of the priest, he would never have sent his son to die. Oedipus, too, would not have left Corinth in an effort to avoid sleeping with the woman he knew as his mother. But this question of fate isn't the only tie-in to Greek mythology in The Matrix. The Greek god Morpheus, son of the god of sleep, is related to human dreaming. To say someone is in the arms of Morpheus means that person is asleep, so it's fitting that the movie character with the same name visits Neo in his dream state and shows him how to operate in this false reality. The concept of a world of illusion comes from René Descartes' 1641 Meditations on First Philosophy, though instead of sentient machines, Descartes imagines a powerful demon capable of tricking the mind into perceiving a false world as real. But Lana and Lily Wachowski wrote a story closer to The Brain in a Bat Thought Experiment by Gilbert Harmon in 1973, which posited that a floating brain wired with electrical impulses would not know the difference from its place in a body receiving stimulation from the outside world. The Matrix focuses on this idea that our perceptions can't be trusted and encourages us all to crack the code which keeps us from the truth. The Matrix follows classic storytelling techniques, though not much of psychiatrist Otto Rank's work from the myth of the birth of the hero. The Matrix does employ a common character type of the chosen one as its hero, and this remains an important part of the plot and dialogue. Neo, known as Thomas Anderson at work, is pulled into the boss's office. His boss says, You have a problem with authority, Mr. Anderson. You believe that you are special, that somehow the rules do not apply to you. This foreshadows Neo's task to defy the rules of the computer-generated world called the Matrix. Between Neo's mentor, Morpheus, and his team of disruptors, there's talk of finding the Chosen One too late in life. A lot like Anakin in The Phantom Menace, they're afraid Neo is too old to train properly. As Neo's hero's journey progresses, the structure fits well with Vladimir Propp's morphology of the folktale, with few exceptions. While some stages appear out of order and others repeat, the classic formula still applies. Using Propp's structure, this hit movie starts with absentation. A member of the family leaves home. After establishing scenes where the audience learns about an underground movement, 
Thomas A. Anderson, known by his hacker name Neo, goes to work. In this environment, he is not the chosen one. He is just another schlub in a suit, a conformist with no special abilities and no real future. As usual, there comes an interdiction, where the hero is told to avoid a person or a place. While in his cubicle, a FedEx package arrives with a cell phone that rings the moment Neo opens it. It's Morpheus. Neo must escape the police entering the floor at this very moment. Somehow, Morpheus guides Neo out onto a ledge and tells him to jump onto the window-washing scaffolding. But in most stories like this one comes a violation where the hero ignores the warning. This leaves room for the villain to act against the hero's family. Neo is too scared to step around a column which blocks the ledge, and he decides to take his chances with the cops. We've reached the reconnaissance stage. This is where the villain makes an effort to attain knowledge needed to fulfill their plot. Agent Smith grills Neo about his double life as a computer hacker. He knows Neo has been in contact with Morpheus and wants his help to capture whom he calls a terrorist. In the delivery stage, the villain succeeds in part of their plan, and Agent Smith is fully in control. The next stage is trickery, where the villain tries to trick the victim either to capture the victim or steal something valuable. Agent Smith tries to bargain with erasing Neo's record as a hacker. He thinks Neo is worthless except to use as bait to find Morpheus. The stage of complicity follows, where the victim is either fooled or forced into cooperation. Agent Smith takes away Neo's mouth, then pushes him onto the table, exposing Neo's belly. Now we've reached villainy or lack. The villain harms someone or the hero's lack is revealed. The agents successfully plant a parasitic wiretap in Neo, which crawls in through the belly button. Neo also lacks the truth about the world he lives in. After the villainy comes the departure, where the hero leaves the home environment, this time with a sense of purpose. After Neo wakes up in his bed, Morpheus calls and tells Neo to go to the Adams Street Bridge. A feature of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, from the hero with a thousand faces, includes the meeting of a goddess who can be good or evil. Trinity is this goddess who possesses supernatural powers in this realm. She picks him up in a car along with her supernatural cohorts. She convinces him to trust her and she painfully removes the monitoring device by use of electric shock. The next stage is out of its classic order, but in the mediation the hero learns what he's up against. Morpheus tells Neo he is a slave in a computer-generated world called The Matrix. Morpheus says, you take the blue pill and the story ends. You take the red pill and you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. When Morpheus presents the pills, this is what Prop would call the provision of a magical agent. Returning to the formula, we reach the hero's reaction. 
The hero's skills are tested, or he frees a captive, and he reacts to the actions of the donor. Neo was afraid to listen before, but he's seen enough proof of Morpheus's good intentions. He takes the red pill from Morpheus, the one which will blow his mind. Continuing on, we reach the guidance stage where the hero is led to an important object. Morpheus guides Neo to a computer room where we arrive at the liquidation of Lack. In this case, Neo learns the truth and sees it with his own eyes. The room ripples before him and he comes to the brink of death before he's finally shown the real world. In the return stage, the hero goes home. Neo wakes up in his real body, surrounded by pods of humans encased in gel and hooked with tubes and wires to a network of machines. He's inside the massive structure of bodies, what Joseph Campbell would call the belly of the whale. It even sounds like the ocean outside. Neo is sucked into a waste pipe flushed along with the gel. Spit out into a sea of goo, Neo can't swim and sinks quickly. Next comes the rescue, where someone rescues the hero. The ship carrying Morpheus's team arrives, extends a claw, and the crew pulls Neo aboard. They revitalize his atrophied body, which has never used its muscles in its lifetime. The next step is something which is normally more toward the beginning of the story, the first function of the donor. With this step, the donor, also called a magical agent or helper, tests the hero. Martial arts programs are loaded into Neo's brain via a cable port through his skull. One might also argue this is another instance of the provision of a magical agent. Neo's skills get tested as Morpheus joins him in a training program where they battle it out. Neo demonstrates uncommon speed and creativity but he has yet to exercise his brain's abilities outside the confines of the Matrix program's operations. Life is difficult outside the Matrix. The food sucks, there are fugitives, and it's hard to know who to trust, which brings us to unfounded claims where a false hero appears. Cypher acts like he's on Neo's side, telling him all about Morpheus's other chosen ones who died at the hands of Matrix agents. But Cypher has decided to sell them all out to be plugged back into the Matrix and live a life of ignorant bliss. Cypher tells the agents where the group will be. Morpheus, Trinity, and Neo have to go inside the Matrix to see the Oracle. The Oracle tells Neo he is not the Chosen One, but will soon have to make a choice between saving Morpheus's life or his own. Cypher has arranged it so the agents find them before they can leave the Matrix. Morpheus keeps the agents from capturing Neo, sacrificing himself. The gang has to leave Morpheus behind. The formula continues with exposure, where the false hero or villain is exposed. When the gang, including additional members, reaches the exit point, Cypher informs them of his plan. He kills the team members one by one, inside and outside the Matrix. He is about to kill Neo when, back from the brink of death, a surviving member kills Cypher. We've come to the transfiguration stage, where the hero gains a new appearance. 
Neo goes from doubter to believer in fate, and furthermore, he understands the rules and the illusions of the Matrix. Dripping in black leather, he and Trinity go to find Morpheus and save him from the agents with loads of bombs and other weapons. Out of Prop's traditional order, we reach the struggle stage where the hero and villain fight, and the branding stage where the hero is scarred. Both normally occur after the guidance stage. Neo and Trinity attack the guards at the complex holding Morpheus. Ending up on the building's rooftop, Neo bends his body backward, avoiding several bullets. He's fast, but not fast enough to avoid them all. Thankfully, they only graze him. Neo and Trinity rescue Morpheus, and everyone but Neo makes it out. At this point, I'll include another step from Joseph Campbell's work, which doesn't appear in Prop's formula. This one is called The Resurrection. It is the most perilous battle with consequences greater than death, risking the safety of his ordinary world, in this case, the viability of life outside the Matrix. Neo not only dies in the battle, but he is reborn to fight again. Love has conquered even death, as Trinity insists her personal prophecy that she would fall in love with the One came true. Coming back to life, Neo again transforms and delivers the next step, punishment to the villain. Neo sees beyond the illusion of the Matrix and its programming language. He sinks into Agent Smith's body, then bursts out of him in an explosion of light. This scares away the other agents. The fighting isn't over, but we now know Neo will come out unscathed in time to take part in the last step, the wedding. Usually the hero marries and is rewarded or promoted by the family or community, typically ascending to a throne. But Neo and Trinity just kiss as he wakes up in the real world. Morpheus tells Neo the Oracle only said what Neo needed to hear, implying that fate is not a fixed future. The Oracle must see many possible futures and know which actions ultimately lead to each. But Neo must have a touch of extrasensory perception himself since he chose his hacker name, the Anagram, for one. Choice versus control is a big theme in The Matrix, much like Oedipus's chance versus fate. Both the Wachowskis and Sophocles seem to favor fate. In Literary Theory, A Practical Introduction, Michael Ryan mentions the conformity of the club scene in The Matrix. Everyone wears black leather to show allegiance to anti-authoritarian ideologies, but this ends up more like a uniform derived from mob mentality than an ideal environment for individuals to think for themselves. Their illegal activity, including drugs and illicit software distribution, is an attempt to feel free in a world which controls much of their lives. While they are still in the confines of the Matrix, this freedom remains only an illusion. Think about what makes black leather counterculture. Is it the part of the body it's on, the sheer amount displayed? A common ideology exists which classifies the material and creates the acceptable boundaries of its use. It becomes more than a fabric. It's a political statement against privileged belief systems. 
It's a language understood by both the oppressed and the oppressors. At the end, creators of the Matrix use black leather in excess as if to say, you want counterculture? We'll give you counterculture. The hero's fashion language is similar to the way they subvert the programming language of the Matrix. If nothing else, the movie shows that knowing the oppressor's language is the first step in overthrowing them. While you might not be convinced that our real brains are suspended in a vat bombarded by artificial stimulation, you can't prove it isn't true. Hopefully you can see the factors in which our lives are manipulated by outside forces, and can connect with this concept which is realized well before Sophocles wrote his plays thousands of years ago. Whether it's the gods or societal pressures, these outside forces influence even the smallest of decisions. Another writer who apparently learned from the classics is J.K. Rowling, author of the book series which spawned the movie Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. In the States, it's known as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Next time, see how Rowling uses aspects of Greek mythology with the characters, structures, and themes of the classic folktale to create this multi-billion dollar franchise. As always, you can comment on this episode or suggest new content on my Facebook page, Fiction Briefly. Thanks goes to Kestrel and Mexican Spy Company for all music and sound production for this show. Again, this has been Fiction Briefly, giving you a glimpse into the mind of an artist. Thank you for listening. <laughs>